Welcome, everyone. This is Russ Galzo, Chronicles of the End Times. Thank you for being with us today as we look to part two of Stephen Kraft's amazing testimony of God's grace and mercy and his power to deliver from anything and everything. Let's pick it up from where we left off. I mean, that's that's about as traumatic as it gets. Yeah, he was already dead. He died, and, you know, I, and, and once I saw him fall off the couch and roll over onto the floor, sick as I was, I was in the back, and, and the liquid for the next shot was there in the spoon for me to take my shot to get the sickness off of myself. But when I saw that happen to Jimmy, it was almost like the Lord was trying to get my attention. Mm. And all I was thinking about then, you know, hey, you guys help my cousin because right. I loved him. You know, he was my quote unquote negative role model, even though in my mind he was negative. Right. That was my cut. That was my first cousin. So that was the actual fork in the road, Russell, for me to decide what I was going to do with my life. Wow. You know, the uh, just the awfulness of that, the traumatic experience that you had uh, losing someone that was so close to you. I mean, even though, as you say, he was not a good influence, but still he was you were very close to him. He was like a brother to you. Uh, those moments in our lives, uh, when that that traumatic moment, uh, when they come, you know, we have to look inside and say, you know, God, where am, what am I doing and, and where am I going from here? Some don't stop, though, you know? I mean, our nature is, is such as that we get over stuff. As horrible as things are, we seem to reason things out and then before we know it, we're, we're still back in the mess again. Yeah. So that in itself is, is like a, a warning sign and, and, and a cold water poured over us, but it doesn't change us necessarily. No, it doesn't because the Bible tells us in the book of Jeremiah, I think it's in chapter 17, that the heart, the heart of man is wicked and utterly deceitful. Who can know just how wicked it is except our creator God himself? Mm -hmm. And what I did, I'm glad you brought that point up, because when I saw what they did to Jimmy after he overdosed, I ran out of the shooting gallery, and then the devil spoke to my mind, and I heard Satan's voice as clear as I'm saying to you. I thought it was my own voice, obviously, my own heart reasoning. Leave New York City. Go to California. Go to the West Coast. New York's your problem. Go to the West Coast and you'll get your act together. Well, that was a lie, too, because I didn't understand that the problem wasn't New York City. The problem wasn't Jimmy the Weasel. The problem wasn't uh, uh, the shooting gallery or the junkies. The problem was the sin that dwelt in me. So what I did was I called my mother. And, you know, Mama always knows when something is not right. Oh, yeah. You know, you can't fool mama. My mother is square, is all get out. She never put a cigarette in her mouth. Bless her heart. She's in heaven now. She, I, I told her a lie. I says, mama, I says, I, I, I need some money. I don't even remember what the lie was, but I told her some lie to get enough money and took a bus all the way to California. Got out there in Los Angeles and started the same mess again. But this time God had he he was going to get my attention. That's where he did a Jonah thing on me mm. in Los Angeles. So it's like, it's almost like a Jonah thing because you run 3,000 miles, you know, and Jonah was trying to get away from going to Nineveh. Uh, but for you, it was, you had this traumatic experience in the city, but yet you're, you're still hooked on, on 
you know, just that high feeling, that rush that you got to have. And now you're in out in California, out in L.A., and things aren't any better out there. No, no. The only difference was Los Angeles in comparison to New York. In New York, I was shooting white China smack. Los Angeles, I was shooting brown Mexican smack. In New York, the smack came in little glassine bags. In California, the smack came in balloons. You know, whoever came up with the idea put the dope, the powder in balloons, and if the, and if the narcs run up on you, swallow the balloons and then pass them through your bowels later on and wash them off, open the balloon, and you're cool. So I got out there in California, and I was sick as a dog, as and, and I tried to, in my own strength, resist, but... Drug addiction causes not only a physical gnawing, but a spiritual and an emotional gnawing inside because you're spiritually empty. And what happened was there's a there's a beach right outside of Los Angeles called Venice, Venice Beach. And it's known for all kinds of craziness. Matter of fact, anyone who's ever been on the West Coast any length of time back in the 60s when you was in the hippie movement, the hippies, if they were in Southern California, they'd be either in Santa Monica or Venice Beach. So I started hanging out on Venice Beach. And as a result, first thing I did was I started looking for a man, the dope man, the drug man. And it didn't take it long. The devil made sure I found him quick. And that's when God says, okay, I got to do a Jonah on craft because if I don't, Satan will kill him out here. Hmm. I know Venice is a wild place. I was out there in 69. And uh, it was one of those anything goes places. Right. And um, it was just hip to be as insane as you possibly could. That's correct. You know? And um, so now we get to the. To the moment, I'm going to get to the moment where God is getting your attention. I mean, there, there's no randomness with God, and he is bringing you to a place. Now, what was that place that brought you to that moment? God was trying to get my attention. He was going to get my attention through the moment. Now I'm going to share with your listeners what the moment was, because this is when I hear crisis mode. One day on that beach, I think it was in the month of July, everything is so foggy now, trying to pinpoint exact timelines. But one day on that beach, there in the Pacific Ocean, everybody would be skateboarding up and down the Mm. boardwalk and women half-dressed in bikinis and people playing bongos and kungas and drinking 40s and drinking wine and you could smell reefer in the air and I'm doing my thing. And some guy comes up to me and says, hey, man, I'm in shape. For your listening audience that do not understand drug lingo, when you ask a drug dealer, are you in shape, you're asking them, do you have the stuff? If they say, I'm not in shape, that means they don't have it. You got to go somewhere else. He says, Crab, I'm in shape. Come on in the bathhouse and I'll tighten you up if you have some, some, some scratch. Scratch is money. I says, yeah, I got some scratch. I'm looking. When you use the term I'm looking, that means you're looking to buy something. And the dealer, if he's in shape, he's going to fix you up. Mm. We go in the bathhouse. He gives me some cocaine, package of cocaine, and tin foil, and two balloons of Mexican heroin. 
go in the stall. I cook it up. I shoot it up. I'm not feeling any pain. High. I'm feeling good. The cocaine always is called a speedball, a mixture of heroin and cocaine. When you mainline a speedball, the cocaine hits you first. It takes you way up. And then the heroin hits you second, and it brings you down. Many people in Hollywood, uh, entertainers, have OD'd off of that speedball combination. Mm. Uh, a lot of them. Belushi, Cole, uh, a lot of them have mixed heroin and cocaine, and it's killed them. I did that. I was feeling no pain, but that wasn't the end of it. Then the guy tells me, he says, oh, I have some dust. Dust, the slang term for dust is PCP, a, a reefer that is mixed with cocaine, angel dust, PCP, and, 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 and tobacco. I went on ahead and smoked that and then drank a can of beer and I blacked out. Whoa. My lights went out. I don't remember anything after that. I blacked out. The thing about a blackout, Russell, that's so strange is you're asleep and you're walking. Mm. You're literally unconscious in your mind. Your mind like shuts off, but you don't fall asleep. It's like sleepwalking. And next thing I knew, when I woke up out of that blackout, it was just like Jonah God prepared a great fish for him when he tried to go west, when mm. God told him to go Nineveh, go east. When I woke up out of that blackout, I was stripped buck naked in a straitjacket in a mental hospital called Camarillo State Hospital. Wow. I have no idea how I got there. All I remember when the dope and the alcohol and the, and the PCP wore off, I was naked in a straitjacket, in a hospital. Have no idea what happened. My sister, who lived in Pomona, California, some kind of way found out that I took my clothes off in Venice at that beach and was starting to walk into the Pacific Ocean. The devil says, go out in the ocean. Just start walking and just keep walking. He was going to drown me. That was going to be the end of me. But I was in a blackout and evidently God had an angel, whether it was a human angel or a spiritual angel, see me a naked man walking into the Pacific Ocean. And before I got swept away in an undertow, I don't know what happened because I was out of my mind. I was in a drug psychosis. Called 911 to call somebody. Right. Said there's a naked man black man walking out into the ocean and he's unclosed. I woke up. Don't know how long I was in that blackout, but when I woke up, I was in a straitjacket naked. That was my Jonah experience, Russell. Wow. That is pretty wild, my God, brother. God then had my attention. I'd say. I mean, people have died with a lot less, as you well know. You know what I mean? And for God to keep you, all that time, it's just amazing how he knows our future. Yes. You know, and, and how his love is so amazing. He gives us so many opportunities, you know, and, and this is a great testimony of God's faithfulness 
and his long suffering, yes. know, which he's had, which he has for all of us. And those of you out there listening, you know, you may think you've gone the way there's no return, but God saves to the uttermost. There's Correct. No, there's no place you can go. You can, the depths of the sea, the highest mountain, the darkest night, it doesn't matter. It's all plain. It's all like daylight to God. And exactly. He can see you, and and it's it's powerful love. That powerful love is not religion. That powerful love is Jesus Christ. That's right. And it's it's an awesome thing. So now let's pick this up. You you got us here. We're all uh, uh, anxious to see what what's going on here. So you find yourself in this institution, and uh, how do how do you what's your state of mind at this point? What how did you Find your way out of that. How did God pull you out of that? What happened when I came back into my right mind, God permitted me to stay in that place four days involuntarily. Because when I came to myself, when I came back into my right mind and I saw where I was, I remember an orderly would come in and I'd say, where am I? What happened to me? And I remember this person's words as if it was yesterday, Russell. He said, you experienced a drug psychosis. He didn't say a drug overdose. He says a drug psychosis. And I knew what that meant. Mm -hmm. So then I remember saying to this orderly, oh, I'm all right now. I just drank too much. I was high. I'm trying to play it off. You know, where are my clothes? I can leave. Where am I? Where's this place? Oh, you're in Camarillo State Hospital. You experienced a drug psychosis, Mr. Kraft. I said, well, I says, yeah, well, I was drunk. You know, I'm fine now. Let me, let me leave. He says, no. He says, I'm only an orderly. You have to be examined by a psychiatrist, a medical doctor, and only he can re uh, re release you. So in my mind, thinking that a uh, doctor, when he, next time he made his rounds, I'd be out of there. God says, no, no, no. I'm going to give you a chance to think about this thing. God kept me in that place five days. Mm. And while I was in there five days, I would have to sit in this big open room with people who had all kinds of mental illnesses, schizophrenia. Uh, I remember one guy, I'll never forget this guy. Most of the people that were in this big sitting room during the day, I don't remember. But one gentleman, I never forgot. His, they called him Piano Playing Freddy, white man, older white man. And this guy, back in the day, I found out that he used to play. He was a concert pianist. Mm. And some kind of way, he lost his mind. And he ended up in Camarillo. And he would sit in his big day room every day. I guess he was having flashbacks. And there was an old straight-back piano in the room. And these chairs just sitting around. And every day, Freddie would get on this piano and he would just start playing perfect opera. Doom, 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 doom. At first, I did, it didn't bother me. It was like he was flashing back and his head would be flying back. It was like he was in Carnegie Hall. And the guy's music was perfect. Didn't bother me at first. But then this went on. The whole five days. Wow. Sometimes for hours at a time. And then it felt like, in my mind, like I was going to lose my mind. Because it was almost like an Alfred Hitchcock type Yeah, thing. sure. And I remember saying to one of the orderlies, can't you make him, can't you sit him down 
he's going to drive me crazy with this same song playing over and over again all day. I never forgot what that Orly told me of Russell. He says, this is Freddie's home. He can play as long as he wants to play if we don't have, if it's not time for his meals or his meds. And as far as you're concerned, sir, you are crazy. And he did like that. That's why you're here, too. Whoa. That's what he told me. He didn't say you're psychotic. He threw the same word that I threw at Freddie. He threw it back at me. I said, Lord, that was God chastising me. I went back when they put me back in my, 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 my regular room. Brother, I got on my knees because by now, you know, I'm, I'm sober. Right. But I'm going through now heroin with, withdrawal, but I'm sober. And they gave me medication. I, it might have been methadone or suboxone. I don't know what it was. To take the sickness off, to take me through a withdrawal. Right. Detox. But brother, I got on my, on my knees and I cried out to God from the bottom of my heart. I said, Jesus... If you deliver me out of this, because I had no idea when that psychiatrist was going to let me out. And in my mind, the devil was telling me, you're never getting out. You'll be with Freddie forever. So I was scared. The fear of the Lord, brother, came on me. The fear of the Lord, Russell, was the beginning of my wisdom. And I repented from my, I said, Jesus, man, I broke sweat. There was no religiosity, no pride, no man. I was totally, I said, Jesus, please help me. Help me, Lord. I feel that thing even now, 42 years later. The next day, the psychiatrist made his rounds. He says, I'm going to sign you out. I left that place with nothing but a bag of, of my clothes. That's all I had to my name. Took off that gown, the clothes I had on. Went back to L.A., but this time I did not go to Six and Alvarado where the drug dealers dealt. I went to Crenshaw Christian Center, Fred Price's first church on Crenshaw Boulevard in Inglewood. I walked in there. I'll never forget this. Unannounced during the middle of the week in the afternoon with nothing but a broken person that was chastised by the Lord in a, a garbage bag with a few of my belongings. And I walked in there and went up to the church secretary and I says, I need to see Reverend Price. Well, I hope you're enjoying this. I, I certainly am. And it just reminds us of the grace of God and the patience and the faithfulness of God. And if you're going through something, you know someone might be going through something that's close to you that you love. Remember that God is God, the Lord of all. So stay tuned for part three. God bless you. Keep looking up. The King is coming.